Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin, Sheboygan County, of the Unaltered Augsburg Confession. I'm sure there's more names we can give. Uh, <laughs> I'm Pastor Gillespie, and I'm here for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Come to you each day um, as we pray for one another and we pray for all those in need. Uh, we pray for the sake of faith. Uh, we pray to encourage one another. And of course, the congregation that uh, prays together stays together. <laughs> I think that actually refers to family, but there you go. We are the household of faith. We'll continue our catechesis, working our way through the Lord's Prayer today, uh, looking to, at the uh, familiar story of the centurion praying on behalf of his servant to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our memory verse we say together, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1 verse 21. Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21. Our psalm is Psalm 134. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first readings uh, this week have, again, to do with prayer, leading us to understand both prayer and, I think, uh, to some degree, thanksgiving as well. At least that's the intent. <laughs> James 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And there ends the reading. Um, there seems to be, culturally speaking, a increase in, in talk of prayer um, but I think a decrease in in faith regards to prayer. 
And what do I mean by that? You'll see uh, all sorts of language, like our hopes and prayers, or our prayers and thoughts and prayers go with you, right? And yet, our thoughts and prayers are ultimately irrelevant unless they are grounded in the confident and sure word of Christ, all right? So you'll note here um, that the instruction to pray and the ways of praying, if you're suffering, um, to pray that it is to ask the Lord to remove his suffering as he's promised, right? If you're cheerful, to pray a psalm, right? Which are the words he gives you to pray when you're joyful. So again, praying according to his word. If you're sick, to call the elders and to come and to pray over you and anoint you with sick. Why? Because God has promised to hear the prayers of the righteous on behalf of those who are ill, right? Um, if you come and pray forgiveness, those that word of forgiveness has its effect and covers a multitude of sins. Right? A fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And as an example, he gives the prophet who we studied oh, two weeks ago, I think now, Elijah. Elijah prayed that there, the rain would cease and that there'd be a famine over the land for the sake of repentance, the repentance of Ahab and Jezebel, right? And then after a time, he prayed uh, that, that, that it would rain again and now that there had been repentance. You see, uh, prayer can do such a thing? Well, according to the word of the Lord, right? So uh, for us, not being prophets, um, but being priests, it is given to us to pray according to God's word. And I, again, I think we, we speak of prayer, we speak of, of praying, and yet I don't know that we're all that confident, uh, especially culturally, maybe even in the church, that our prayers are heard and that our prayers are answered because they're prayed according to God's word of promise and for the sake of his son, Jesus. But James would have you believe <laughs> that such prayer does work, that God's word does what it says, uh, and that prayer actually is answered. Despite our own unbelief, it is answered. That's the key. All right. And maybe that's the reason why people, um, uh, maybe as an extension here, one more further thought that maybe this is the reason why people suffer uh, alone, that they don't share joy with their neighbors uh, when they are joyful, that when they're sick, um, they don't call upon others to come and pray over them, um, that we try to do these things alone um, because we're not really confident that the, the faithful prayer of others uh, over us and with us not only will encourage our faith, um, but that Jesus hears those prayers and he answers them. Um, so it's been my experience, not just as a pastor, but even just as a layperson, that um, people are hesitant to ask for prayers. And I think it's because so much of the talk of prayer is kind of neutered. It doesn't really, it's, uh, it's been uh, evacuated of its meaning uh, and really um, a faith, ultimately. All right. So something to think about. Now our reading for catechesis is from Matthew chapter 8. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. What a lovely reading. It's one of my favorites when it comes around in the church here. Um, why? Um, because actually it teaches something about not only authority, but uh, the authority of the office of the ministry, um, Christ's own authority. All right. So where was Jesus? It says here he's at Capernaum. Capernaum is on the northwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. This is really um, Jesus's home base of operation. Yes, he was raised in Nazareth. So it says, can a good come from Nazareth? But most of his um, mission, or excuse me, most of his work until he goes to Jerusalem uh, is grounded or his home base is Capernaum, that city. All right, we meet a centurion. What's a centurion? This would be our officer in the Roman army who commands a century, that is 100 men. So then being a, a Roman commander, is he a Jew or a Gentile? That's a beautiful part of the story. It's really a theme in Matthew's gospel, the Gentiles coming to faith and believing, right? So he's a Gentile. Uh, this comes especially to its culmination, I would say, in Matthew's commission at the end, Jesus' commission to the disciples to go and make disciples of Ponta Ethne, all nations, right? I had to think about the Greek there. Ponta Ethne, all nations. Right, uh, and so that's what the, that's what we are to do. This who we are to be as Christians. Um, there is no no Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. Um, all are forgiven freely for Christ's sake. Right. All right. What need did the centurion then bring to Jesus? I would say in prayer, if you like. Yeah, his servant was paralyzed and dreadfully tormented, or in some kind of terrible suffering which makes it sound like not a paralysis from birth, but um, due to some sort of accident. I couldn't help but think of, um, as I was preparing this, think of you know, all, all of those in Waukesha, you know, that had, um, some of whom have had some pretty traumatic injuries, um, and obviously some have, have died as well. I was reading about an um, um, anecdote from a friend of one of the uh, children that's at uh, Children's, and uh, she was recalling how um, child broken leg and then um, some kind of brain trauma needed to have the pressure relieved on on their brain really incredible so that kind of suffering think of that that's what this centurion is is experiencing knowing and feeling and what was jesus answer jesus the man of many words <laughs> i will come and heal him right huh? what more needs to be said but the centurion has this curious response right lord i'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. And how is that not true for all of us, right? Right? Why does he not worthy that Jesus come under his roof? Because of his sinfulness, right? Uh, as it would be for all of us. This is why in uh, Luke's gospel, in the story of Zacchaeus, why it's so remarkable that Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to come to your house today, right? You maybe learn that from like the rhyme or from the song, right? Um, but to Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. Because for Jesus to enter into his house is Jesus saying, I forgive you of your sin. Um, they think of sin as having 
it's more than just an internal disposition, right? But in the Bible, um, sin has its effect upon your immediate surroundings, all your surroundings, right? So sin affects the whole body, you might put it that way, including the house even. And again, that's connected then to uh, like demonic possession as well, that it corrupts, that there's uh, sinfulness, our own internal sinfulness then has this corrupting effect upon um, all of our relationships and even our, our the earth, the surrounding, our homes, right? A little bit different than us, right? We don't think of it that way. Uh, maybe we ought to. What does he say that he needs from Jesus? Again, he needed Jesus to speak a word, a specific word, a word that will heal his servant, right? Uh, why go to Jesus for such a thing? Well, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? He gave life to all things. He separated the darkness from the light. He separated the sea from the dry land. He caused the seed to sprout and give to give bread to the sower, or seed to the sower and bread to the eater, right? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. We looked at that yesterday from Isaiah 55. But also think of John chapter one. I think this is key. And it's just remarkable that this centurion confesses um, this faith, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Him was life, and He was the life of men, right? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, referring to Jesus. So Jesus is the Word that brought all things into being, that knit you together in your mother's womb, that gives life to all creation. That's what He's confessing here by saying, You can heal my servant. Incredible, right? Um, and then, in order to emphasize this point, um, I, I, I use this uh, teaching frequently. I think this, out of the mouth of the centurion, we have a, a lovely teaching um, to remind us about the nature of, of Jesus' word, right? He compares Jesus' authority to the authority of his own word of law, all right? So he's, it's not that his word is powerful, although it is, but the power of his word derives from his authority. And that I make that distinction frequently because I think we miss it, right? Power exercised without authority is not only ungodly, but it's disorderly, it's chaotic, right? So simply saying, I have the power to do something does not necessarily give one, um, if you like, permission or authority um, to exercise that. Right? And, and some of the uh, realms of authority, especially in the church, I would say, um, are difficult for us, right? That he doesn't give equal authority to all in every respect. He gives to the head of the household, the father, namely, um, authority to teach the children. That doesn't mean he can't delegate it, I should say, to his wife or designate it to his wife or to the mother, or when the father is absent, um, that the mother could take on that role. Uh, but God sets it up in a particular way. And the power of that word is attached to the one to whom the authority has been given. Right. And uh, I think we need to take that a little bit more seriously. Because we wonder why the children, say, for example, aren't being retained by our churches. Uh, and those children that remain in the churches universally have fathers um, who are consistent and regular in studying God's word um, and communicating that to their children. That's the distinction. The primary distinction between those who remain in the church and those who leave is the role of their father. And again, that's not, uh, that doesn't discount the role that mothers can have, right? But where has the authority been given, first and foremost, and thereby where where's the power lie? You see? All right. Uh, that's what he's confessing here. 
in regards to Jesus and the word that he speaks. This is a great confession of faith, Jesus says. I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. See that in verse 10, right? Why is that a, such a great confession of faith? Because this man is a Gentile. Don't forget that, right? He's not a Jew, and he's confessing that Jesus' word alone has such uh, power, authority, comes with such authority. All right, and then, uh, oh, I love the hymn, the, A Multitude Comes from the East and the West, that Scandinavian chorale, right? Dun, 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 it's right here in verse 11, right? Many will come from the East and the West to sit at the Feast of Salvation, to sit in the Kingdom of Heaven, to sit with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the Blessed, right? Uh-huh. Um, why, or whom did he name as being present, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but why? What distinguishes those three men from others? Right, Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldeans. He's not a Jew, by the way. <laughs> nor, nor is Isaac, or really, nor is Jacob. Um, a Jew will come later, right? The Hebrews after the uh, after the Exodus, or as part of the Exodus. Right, these three men are all who trusted in the living God who creates all things. Right? And they are then the spiritual fathers, not only of the Jew, but especially of the Gentiles. Right? Despite their even identity, think Abraham again, an unbeliever. Right? He comes to faith um, it be by the word and by the word alone, right? just like this centurion. Of course, which book tells us about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? That would be Genesis. Now, the sons of the kingdom, he says, are going to be cast into the outer darkness. There's always that warning. Right? And who are the sons of the kingdom in his context? That would be the Jews, right? Inheritors of the kingdom, and yet uh, those who have forsaken the one whom he has sent, Jesus. Right? And outer darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Why, why use those terms to describe what is ultimately uh, what sin does, separates us from Christ? Right? Well, darkness, outer darkness, Christ is the light. Um, in the midst of darkness of sin. So to forsake Christ is to forsake the light and to be, remain in the darkness. Um, Jesus offers joy that removes the curse uh, or pain of sin, right? The things that cause us to weep and to gnash our teeth in anger, right? So apart from Jesus, we remain weeping and gnashing in anger towards one another and towards God. All right, how does Jesus heal the servant then? <laughs> And by a word, let it be done for you, right? And he was healed that very same hour. Let it be done for you as, as you have asked. All right, of course, that teaches us then the power of prayer. Again, um, the power of prayer, oh, this is a good connection for you. The power of prayer actually comes from the authority. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father, right? So Jesus authorizes us to call upon God as Father and as his dear children, which we'll say in a minute, right? And it's only uh, by virtue of that that um, those words are powerful, or, or our prayers are, um, yeah, have power to do what they say. Summary then Matthew stressed that the gospel is for sinners and for all nations. Here we see the nations coming to Jesus as the centurion came and called him Lord. All that the centurion wanted was the word of God from the lips of Jesus. Faith lives on this word and that created the heavens and the earth. And like every faithful heart, the centurion confessed that he was an unworthy sinner. The whole church confesses that she is unworthy to have the Lord come under her roof, yet she lives upon the gracious word of Christ's forgiveness. 
The Lord speaks through the mouths of his servants, the pastors, and the sins of men are forgiven. He comes to us through his word as surely as he came to heal the servant without entering the house. Faith does not need to see the Lord do something or experience it, but rather trusts only and completely upon the word of Christ. All right, let's pray our catechism. Introduction. Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. First petition. Hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you hallow your name among us when your word is taught in its truth and purity, and when we, as your dear children, also lead holy lives according to it. We give thanks to you for the gift of your word to our, for our pastors, parents, and others who teach it, and for the holy lives of all your faithful Christians who live according to it. Forgive us for the many ways in which we profane your holy name among us by failing to teach your word in its truth and purity, to pray for our pastors and teachers, or to lead holy lives. Protect us from false doctrine and evil living. Help all who are called to teach and preach your word to do so with faithfulness, and grant us to receive your word rightly, that our lives may be made holy by it. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray together the collect for this week. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. We pray with Betty, who today celebrates her baptism. We pray for our households, especially Beverly, Michael, Dan and Bonnie, Brandon and Valerie, Marion, Sherry and Jessica. We continue to give thanks to God for the fruitful labor of our auction committee. We ask God's healing touch for Marcella, Kelsey, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, and Sandy, Pastor Moon, Ken, Norman Sandy, Kathy, Jim and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially the Federowitz family. We ask the Lord to give us comfort in adversity and true peace of conscience. And we pray for the family and friends of Verna who mourn her death. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray a collect uh, for Waukesha, Wisconsin. Most merciful Father, with compassion you hear the cries of your people in great distress, especially those who suffer physically, emotionally, and spiritually in the aftermath of the events of Waukesha. Be with all who now endure affliction and calamity, and comfort the families of those who mourn, those who died in this tragedy. Bless the work of those who bring rescue and relief, 
help, and healing to those broken and bruised. Grant the pastors and people of our congregations in the area to be a bright light of hope in the midst of such darkness. Enable us to aid and comfort those who are suffering in our own community, that they may find renewed hope and purpose as we point this and future generations to Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today is also a commemoration. Commemoration is... uh, Starts with a C. Clement? Yes, Clement of Rome. Uh, Before we pray, uh, just a brief summary of who Clement is. Clement, uh, circa AD 35 to 100, is remembered for having established the pattern of apostolic authority that governed the Christian church during the first and second centuries. He also insisted on keeping Christ at the center of Christ's worship and outreach. In a letter to the Christians at Corinth, he emphasized the centrality of Jesus' death and resurrection. Quote, Let us fix our eyes on the blood of Christ, realizing how precious it is to his Father, since it was poured out for our salvation and brought the grace of repentance to the whole world. 1 Clement 6, verse 31. Prior to suffering a martyr's death by drowning, Clement displayed a steadfast, Christ-like love for God's redeemed people, serving as an inspiration for future generations to continue to build the church on the foundation of the prophets and apostles with Christ as the one and only cornerstone. Let us pray. Almighty God, your servant Clement of Rome called the church at Corinth to repentance and faith to unite them in Christian love. Grant that your church may be anchored in your truth by the presence of the Holy Spirit and kept blameless in your service until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, let's sing our hymn. Oh, uh-huh.
Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. You can join us again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Um, I think our school children, some of those who will be home because they're out, uh, might join us as well. I encourage them to do so, uh, like we did during their time of virtual learning. Oh, let's see. And then, of course, Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m., we have uh, service of matins. We're going to sing, I think, five of the Thanksgiving hymns. Okay. So uh, it's kind of like a little bit of a hymn sing and uh, uh, get to sing the service of matins. As much as I uh, love and delight in receiving the sacrament, I understand and recognize that there's uh, a time uh, for a prayer office and a day of Thanksgiving would be a good day for that. Um, do keep Waukesha in your prayers, especially our pastors there. Uh, many of my friends, um, it's a difficult time for that community. Um, and I think, I think it represents actually a difficult time uh, for us as a nation uh, as we fail to consider the consequences of our actions, uh, for example, with bail reform, <laughs> uh, and that we would release violent criminals on back into our communities um, without reform. Uh, we think we need to reconsider what we're doing there, because uh, that was, of course, the case uh, in the Kenosha riots as well. Uh, many violent criminals there supposedly protesting, um, but uh, rather interesting that the people protesting 
many of them were not um, law-abiding citizens. Hmm. Uh, a question that must be asked there. Why? Why? How did that happen? All right. So, Lord be with you uh, today. Um, give you comfort and conscience, or comfort and consolation through His Holy Word. And we'll see you again in the morning.